Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. And welcome to the Ashley Webster Experience alongside by I, your executive producer, but I don't know how high it. you can go, but Brian yeah. Solomon joins me. We have a special <laughs> guest today. We have... A good friend of ours, Liz Peake. And I, it's the Ashley Webster Experience, and Liz Peake has been a part of my experience for a number of years here at uh, the Fox Business Network and all the different platforms. Liz often sits next to uh, me on the desk there during Varney and other shows. And it's always an experience, Liz, and you're always very sharp. You're always on the ball, and sometimes you make me look good, which is great, frankly, because I'm sitting next to you. I do what I can. You do what you can. It's not an easy job. But, Liz, welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, I look at your background. You were on Wall Street for 20 years, um, and then you escaped, mm. and you got into family life. Um, I actually had a third child. My, we call her exit strategy. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Two you can handle. Three is not, not happening. And when you left the world of finance, and you've obviously done the family thing, you've been very successful, but now you're into political commentary. You do economic commentary as well, of course, because of your Wall Street experience. But politics in particular, you write for The Hill, FoxNews.com, a whole slew of um, publications out there, and of course, television as well. Did you ever think you'd get into this side of things? I know you're on the finance side, but here you are giving commentary about the politics of the day. Uh, No, I didn't think I would. But like many happy parts of everyone's life. It was completely accidental. Uh, I met a friend uh, in my apartment, and she saw that I had a copy of the New York Sun Mm -hmm. lying on our sofa, and she said, would you be interested in meeting Seth Lipsky, who was the editor of The Sun? Uh, So I went down and met him, and I took with me – The Sun, as you may or may not know, is a little local newspaper in New York City, but quite Mm -hmm. successful in terms of readership, Mm -hmm. funded by a bunch of hedge fund guys. So I thought, well, maybe – they would be interested in someone writing about hedge funds. So I took him a sort of mock article, which actually had come from an interview, a mock interview with a friend who ran a hedge fund. And I met him, and he published it the next day. Didn't ask me. Didn't ask the guy. (laughs) (laughs) That was really an interesting start. Uh, But anyway, so I became their business columnist, writing uh, three times a week. And when they went out of business, someone called me. And according to them, my first words were, thank God, because the pressure (laughs) of three print deadlines a week, writing about an industry that, please note, does not want to be written about, incredibly tough. Ah, But But it was fun. I'm sure it was. But then there's politics where... Everybody in politics loves to talk and write about it. Candidates want you to talk about them. And we are living in very interesting times, as one, because that's the well, understatement. Absolutely. And, and actually, that was the beginning of the financial crisis, was sort of when the sun went under. And, mm. you know, that's when I sort of drifted into political commentary, because what went on at that time, the stimulus, the bailouts, et cetera, highly controversial. Mm. And, uh, you know, to no one's surprise, including my husband's, I had a point of view on everything. Uh, And, you know, so and but it was a really interesting time to begin to write about those things. And then we come forward to today where 
who would have thunk it, but Donald Trump is president of the United States. There are still people who are pinching themselves, but that's the reality. <laughs> it's been a wild ride and certainly has given an amazing amount of fodder for everybody to, to chime in on. But one thing I wanted to ask you is, and we've talked about this a lot on the television side, Liz, is that whatever your beliefs are, whether you like Donald Trump, whether you hate him, the, the level of anger in this country, the divisiveness in this country has reached a point where it's quite frightening in some ways. Would you agree? I, I would. And I think a lot of it does come from the ability on social media to be anonymous, to launch these uh, tirades and attacks on people with no accountability at all. And I, I really think that's a terrible thing. It's like living in a vast city where no one is ever going to remember that you cut somebody off trying to get into a parking spot. You know, the reason that small towns function better and people are better behaved is because you have to own up to your um, behavior. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, uh, on the Internet and social media, people get – we were talking about that um, not long ago because mm. the, the personal attacks on certainly President Trump and on his family, on his wife, they are so – mean-spirited. And we now, uh, you know, hate speech is widely condemned. It's against the law. I think hateful speech, you know, should also be widely condemned, and it is not. It's really a sad thing. Well, and conservative speech is considered hate speech these mm -hmm. days. Just look at yeah. college campuses. I yeah. mean, it's out of control. It, it is. And, uh, you know, so everyone, uh, social media sites are gearing up to purge their sites of bots, of Russians, of mysterious influencers, <laughs> And really who end up being purged quite a bit is people on the right because they have – you know, and the Facebook guys, Zuckerberg uh, and Dorsey at Twitter will say, well, it's not us. You know, we've got these algorithms. Mm -hmm. uh, guess what? Their people are writing the algorithms and the trigger words are very often things like patriotism or – uh, you know, freedom or liberty. Liberty yeah. seems to be a real mm -hmm. problem. I mean, this is really horrifying to me. Mm -hmm. Do you think, though, that there's some validity to the argument that the president himself creates this environment? He did on the on the primary, uh, on the campaign trail back in 2016, and continues to launch attacks daily on on with his tweets. Yeah. Could you argue that he's partly to blame, or is he just fighting fire with fire? I think he's partly to blame. I think he took political discourse, in particular, to a much lower level. I think you just have to admit that. I think a lot of the things that the president has done are completely correct. Mm. I really agree with his attacks, if you want to call them that, but his criticisms on NATO. I think he's totally right about secure borders and very many other things. But the truth is he's gone after people and his competitors in a way, his rivals, in a way that's unprecedented. And yes, I think did open the door to uh, people, particularly in the political realm, you know, really savaging each other in an untoward fashion. Which brings me to the issue of fake news, because he uses that term a lot. Uh, he's often called the media the enemy of the people, which I think is a little dangerous, frankly. Yeah. Um, but you could, to in his defense, argue that the mainstream media, for the most part, has seems to have made it their job to try and unseat this president as quickly as possible. Yeah, and, and let's face it, there is a lot of fake news out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you read... Um, the the descriptions, for example, of the recent growth in the economy. And there are so many articles about how uh, this isn't sustainable, this was a blip, et cetera, et cetera. Some of those comments are correct, but the truth is it, that is a poor example because there's hard data there. Mm. But there are so many stories where uh, you know, we've been given really untrue kind of commentary by, for example, the New York Times. New York Times used to be 
I, I, I grieve for the New York Times yeah, because it used to be, it used to be yeah, it used to be a really responsible newspaper. And yes, they had a left-leaning editorial board, but now the entire paper is left-leaning. And mm. not only left-leaning, it's, it's editorial. I mean, mm. it, and, and to me, that's really too bad. Um, in any case, uh, I think it has – look, the public is not stupid. Uh, the approval ratings for the media, the ma- mainstream media, so to speak, uh, are at all-time lows. They don't trust media any longer. You know, back in the day when Walter Cronkite oh, was yes. believed by everybody, boy, <laughs> wet, that's not coming back, mm-hmm. I'm well, afraid. The New York Times, you know, when I was in college, was a, was a publication that we studied. Yeah. As students, but now if you can't trust their validity, how are you supposed to study them in school? You know, you, you can't trust it. No, you, well, that's and, what's being exposed. That's yeah. exactly right, and and it really is not just a tweak or, or sort of a, yeah. a bending of the truth. Sometimes they really are dishonest. Yeah, it's in institutional, my view. maybe at this yeah. point. Yeah, and and incredibly, the new. Uh, publisher, Salzberger, the newest publisher, Salzberger, at the mm-hmm. beginning of the year declared that he was going to have an unbiased paper. That he, w- But, you know, if uh-huh. you look at what the ombudsman, the last mm-hmm. two people in that position, they now don't have anyone because I think they're afraid of the kind of criticism they get. Uh, they, There was no question it's a biased newspaper. The incredible thing is that they didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. So, do they have, for example, a single person on the staff that voted for Donald Trump? No. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that they do not. Mm-hmm. What, anyway, I can yeah, go no, on and on. What, what was your take, Liz, from recently? Of course, when the CNN reporter was famously barred from an event at yeah. the White House. Yeah. Um, that just doesn't help the administration. It does doesn't it? help them because everyone, including a great many people at Fox News, came out and said that's not the way this should be handled. Right. Um, on the other hand, the very next uh, day, I think it was, or a couple of days later, when the president had a meeting about the economy, I think, at mm. the end of the meeting, you heard this shrill woman, I don't know who it was, yelling, what about Michael Cohen, President Trump? And that's the kind of thing that, you know, if you were the president or his mm-hmm. aides, you would get pretty tired of dealing with, mm-hmm. I think. It's so disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but it's Donald Trump. So there's I, this I, feeling I out there that, that he's not a, real, goes. Per, yeah. not a real president. It's true. So anything goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I agree. Yeah, the, it just seems like the rules have changed so much over the last two years. Because if any of this was done while Barack Obama was still president, mm-hmm. I think, you know, people would think, oh, that's just so disrespectful. It doesn't matter about his politics. But maybe is it because... You know, President Trump uses Twitter and attacks his opponents. Is, does that ma- does that make it okay for these people to react that way, to act this way to him? I well, don't know. I think that's a kindergarten argument, right? Yeah. I mean, he did it first, so I can respond. <laughs> yeah. Presumably, you're supposed to set your own standards of behavior, not necessarily only in response to someone else. So I don't really agree with that. I know mm-hmm. people are using that argument, but it would be – it would be completely inconceivable that President Trump is going to change his behavior. I don't think yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And, and what's weird to me, I don't know about you guys, I think we're getting used to it. I think we're getting accustomed to the way he pulls rabbits out of hats like, right. yeah, I'll mm-hmm. talk to Iran, happy to sit down with them anytime right. or yeah. whatever. And everyone's head – Six months Explodes. ago, people mm-hmm. would have gone bananas over yeah. that, and now it's like, oh yeah, of course you would. Yeah. You know? but, but also, Liz, what I find interesting has been the the other side of the aisle and where they're going with their uh, pitch to voters out there. The, the the push towards socialism. We saw it with Bernie Sanders. We knew the Democrat Party was leaning further and further left. Hillary Clinton was trying to bring it back into the middle. She gave up. Decided, okay, fine, we'll go yeah. to the left. But now you have socialists. 
And democratic socialism, they call it, which I think they're trying to put a nicer bow Mm -hmm. on it. But it's socialism. They're talking about single-payer health care, free college, you know, universal basic income, the whole thing. The most interesting data point I've seen recently was from Third Way, which did polling. That's a a left-leaning organization. They did polling uh, of about 2,000 people, but including a lot of Democrats, of course, and independents. And they discovered, my heart sang, honestly, when I read this, that most people really don't want handouts. They don't want socialism. They want to earn their way. In fact, Democrats, I think it was like 88% of Democrats. Mm. Now, I haven't looked at the questions and how they were phrased, and you always have to be a little skeptical of these things. But their point was, don't talk about free this and free that. That may have gotten Bernie Sanders a lot of attention, but what will actually bring out voters and get people supporting you, particularly, I suspect, Democrats who voted for Donald Trump, is opportunity. That was the big word that emerged from this polling. We want opportunity. We want apprenticeships. We want uh, the opportunity to, to learn how to have a good job, et cetera. Which is what President Trump doing. Yeah. That's why the Democrats are – you know, their shiny new toy is socialism because they can't really argue with the president's economy. Uh, the economy is undermining, for example, this polling also showed people could care less about income inequality. It was all about opportunity. Give right. me a chance to get in that 1%, right? Which, which really plays right into the president's no uh, wheelhouse because the economy's humming along, 4.1% growth. If that can be the focus going into the midterms in November, surely that's a wonderful winning strategy for Republicans. There's no question that is the winning strategy for Republicans. Unfortunately, the president sort of trampled all over that um, accomplishment by raising a whole lot of other issues in the subsequent days after that was uh, reported, issues that were controversial, and took he does that all the time, right? Mm. You have this great data point, a great event, which I thought it was, his mm. press conference about that, and then he gets immediately into shutting down the government. Uh, everybody goes nuts about that prospect, and the atten- and Democrats must love it because the attention just swerved mm-hmm. right away right. from the second quarter results. But Look, there is a reason – I think this is astonishing actually – why in spite of all the controversy, the country is uh, more happy with the direction of the country than it's been in 12 years. Think about that. Mm -hmm. 38 percent of the people are happy with the direction of the country. Not once during Obama's presidency were that many people recorded saying that they liked the Mm -hmm. direction of the country. That's an astonishing thing. Because it didn't have a direction. It was just stuck in the middle of the ocean drifting. Well, that and let's face it, the economy was just sort of – Mm -hmm. sluggish and you didn't really see. Now, what do Democrats have to talk about? They can't really talk about income inequality Mm because that's getting better. Wages are going to start to go up more rapidly. In fact, I think they are already. We just don't see it in the government data yet. Uh, What they can talk about is health care. And I think when um, the socialist left talks about Medicare for all, all. Mm-hmm. then people ears pick up because they don't like the health care situation now. Mm-hmm. And Republicans have done a disastrous job of forming any kind of response. They don't know what they want. And it's, after all that floundering about trying to get rid of Obamacare, we still have vestiges of it. Mm-hmm. And the administration and It's Demo- been a disaster. It's, yeah. it's been a kind of a mess, right? Yeah. So the, the administration cuts off the payments to insurers that make them whole, and then mm-hmm. they decide, well, that's a disaster, so they're going to put them back again. I think the public doesn't know what's next. And this is a big problem, in my view, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. going into November. And what about immigration, Liz? Is that still a big player for the Republicans? Certainly it is for President Trump. Build the wall, vet everybody that comes into this country, use a merit-based uh, system for immigration. Does that still ring true? Is that still a good rallying cry? Look, I think his ideas really have the support of the country. Most people don't like the fact that our immigration system is built on ancient tenets that no longer apply. Mm. The diversity visa is ridiculous. Most people don't even know what it means, but read up because it doesn't make any sense at all. The um, fact that uh, we don't use use E-Verify across the country is Mm. appalling, Mm. but it's actually outlawed in some left-wing states because they don't really want people to be identified who are undocumented. This – most people actually agree with the president's – remember, I think there were five points or something that he launched and Democrats immediately rejected them all. But in fact, they're out of step on this. But then you have this – terrible thing that happened at the border with families being yeah, separated. Was a bad misstep. Whose idea that was, I cannot imagine. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that they have trouble now reversing gears, again, you can't imagine who didn't take better notes, keep better yeah. files. Come on, folks. This is, you know, Serious these are stuff. families. Yeah. These are people we're talking about. So I think that well, changed the, the commentary. It did, and it, to the Democrat side, let's be honest. No question. But what bugs me is how many people say to me, you know what, immigrants built this country, yeah. don't yeah. demonize them. Well, you know what, they came here through Ellis Island. That's right, legal, legal immigrants. Legal immigrants, right. and they always tend to forget that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very simple to just say, hey, yeah. this country is all formed. It mm-hmm. was put together by immigrants. Well, it's the same problem that you know President Trump saw with the so-called Muslim ban, right? It wasn't a ban on Muslims. It was a ban on people coming from these places where you can't vet them. Yeah. Right. It's the same yeah. thing. It's not It's not anything racist about people coming from Central America, South America. It's, we want to be able to vet them, know yeah. who they are coming yeah. through this country. I, I think it's interesting. Have you ever seen a, a left-wing advocate for immigration uh, raise up a whole bunch of illegal immigrants who have contributed to the success of the country. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that list yeah. yet. I don't think there is a list, right? Uh, I mean, the, the and to your point, Ashley, mm. uh, everyone agrees. In fact, we need immigrants. Yes. We need to increase our workforce and to increase our population, but mm-hmm. we need them to come in the country legally. And the reason the, the separation of families got going, as people who follow this stuff knows, is because people were coming across the border, um, as they have during Obama's time and George Bush's, and then applying for some sort of status mm-hmm. and then disappearing. And yeah. they never show up for their court date. I mean, like 85%, 90% never right. show up again. Right. So that's just not acceptable. And I think everyone agrees that that's not acceptable. So unfortunately, the, the way the Justice Department tried to back that policy out of existence was a disaster. Well, another thing that bugs me and gets my blood boiling non nonstop whenever the issue comes up, so I'm going to bring it up and let my blood boil, is, is sanctuary cities and sanctuary yeah. states. To me, it's, it's, I just don't see the argument. The, I really don't. It's putting ICE officers' lives in danger. It's putting the people in that community's lives in danger. And you're encouraging people, the human traffickers and everyone else, to continue this work of bringing p- people who are desperate for a new life 
take thousands of dollars for them and just say, look, you can get to California, you can get to all these. You'll be protected. You you will be protected. I mean, what message is that sending? Well, it's a terrible message and obviously an incredible encouragement for people to come here. Mm -hmm. That and birthright citizenship, which, by the way, uh, you know, not that many years ago, Harry Reid came out against birthright citizenship. It is an appalling uh, enticement for people to come into the country illegally. You come in, you have a baby, and then basically from there the family can kind of attach itself to that citizen uh, and and basically end up being citizens. It is really a bad policy. Most countries gave that up, Liz. Uh, a almost long time everyone. Ago. I think Canada may be the only Maybe, one that still but has it's very it. Rare. No, no, I totally agree with you. And and because it's a very bad, we have an, an incredible mills on the West Coast where Chinese people yes. come in. They're seven months pregnant, eight months pregnant. And they give birth, uh, they spend a lot of money, and then they go home with this this golden passport, which is worth millions of dollars. There's no question. And you don't tell me a country the size of America with a lot of very bright people in here can't very easily take care of that. It's horrifying. It's it really, really horrifying. Is. I agree with you 100%. And you, it, and you said well, Canada has, is also doing this. They're also having a huge immigration crisis as well. Yeah. It's like everyone that's doing this is having problems. A- actually, almost mm. every country you can think of right now is dealing with immigration. Yeah. All the European countries are combating this enormous surge of people coming from Syria and other Middle Eastern countries. Yeah. Uh, we, there was an article uh, recently about Nicaragua having mm. problems and those people are uh, fleeing to Costa Rica. Costa Rica is having now an immigration problem. Everybody is dealing with this upheavals of population. Very few are handling it gracefully. And when they have been very open, like Germany and Scandinavian countries, guess what? A year later, they are reversing gears mm-hmm. and saying this was a mistake. It just doesn't work. I no. mean, multiculturalism, no matter how idealistic you want to be, it just doesn't work. Well, it has to be gradual. You yes. can't have a million people come into a country of 80 million like Germany and not expect repercussions, and no. that's what mm-hmm. you've got now. Mm-hmm. It's right, a mess. B- before we let you go, Liz, I want to get back to politics. I want to talk about the midterms coming up. Yeah. We were supposed to see this you know, wave of Democrats taking back the House and all that. Yeah. I don't hear that so much now. What's your take on it? I I think everything I read suggests the House is a toss-up. Mm. I think that it could certainly go to Democrats because there are 23 uh, districts which voted for Hillary Clinton uh, and which have Republican uh, mm-hmm. Congress people now, and those seats might be lost. I don't think there's any question. A lot of suburban areas, Virginia and so forth, those seats are probably pretty fragile. I don't think the Senate is going into Democrat hands. You never know. These things can come out of left field and surprise you. But at least the Republicans, I think, keep the Senate right. because the numbers are very favorable. So we have a split mm-hmm. Congress. Possibly, which which means a do-nothing Congress. But then after yeah. all, what has they done yeah. anyway? Yeah, I mean, more of the same, in other yeah, words. Yeah, I mean, I actually feel for Paul Ryan, the uh, Speaker of the House, because the House has passed – Hundreds of bills this and the year, Senate's done and nothing. they just go to yeah. the Senate to die. Well, in fairness, the Democrats are making it impossible mm. to get anything passed on the floor of the Senate. And McConnell, uh, Mitch McConnell, mm-hmm. has I think wisely prioritized judges getting appointed, not yeah. just the Supreme Court, but down the uh, various other levels, and also uh, you know key appointments in the administration. But you know, for example, a friend of ours has been nominated for to head the Social Security Administration. Imagine, mm. biggest part of the budget. Oh, my goodness. There's no one running it. Yeah. Right? Uh, and because, for how long now? A long time. Well, there's a, obviously there's someone there, but yeah, it, it's but, but no, it's it's an yeah, 
I mean, it's ridiculous. It really is. And, and Schumer has done that to kind of show his constituents uh, that he can do something. But all he's doing really is gumming up the way government mm-hmm. works, which I think is really bad for Which brings up another question about Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and the Maxine Waters as well. Are they going to be pushed out eventually? Because they're going to have to be you know, yeah. prized away with a crowbar to get them away from the leadership <laughs> yeah. of, the, of the Democrats. But I don't think they're doing them any favors. Well, there certainly is an appetite for a changing of the guard. Mm. Uh, you have Ocasio-Cortez who was uh, elected and beat Joe Crowley to become probably a, a, a representative. development, because now we get to talk to her, we realize she doesn't know much well, about the key she, issues. Yes, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hopefully going to write write something soon about that, because yeah. it, it's like a shiny new toy, but, you <laughs> yeah. know... Um, the batteries have run out pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but I think there is... When you look at the people who are most aggressively running for 2020, and we know that's Gillibrand and Booker Mm -hmm. and uh, Kamala Harris and other people, there is a generation change. Now, that's not entirely true because Liz Warren maybe leads the pack. And people don't realize – I think this is so interesting. Liz Warren is almost the same age as Hillary Clinton. Mm. But whereas Hillary Clinton really has a sort of tired aspect, Liz Warren is fired up. She Mm. is always fired. She is. Yeah. She must she be energy. horrible to live with. She's like that at the breakfast table. I just get I this know. feeling. Pass Ex- the cornflakes. Exactly. Can you imagine? <laughs> Pocahontas. Um, yeah, she, she's amazing. She has enormous energy and conviction, and she's very smart. Mm. Um, I really can't stand her politics, but uh, we'll see. But you have I mean, to admire her I energy. Do. I do, actually. Her, yeah. I admire yeah. Trump's energy. Holy yeah. man. Oh, remarkable. I don't think anyone understands it. How he does that. Was it four or five hours asleep, you know, know. and he's He's in his 70s. He's in his 70s. He doesn't stop. He's like that on the campaign trail. He partly doesn't drink. And, I, yeah. I, you mm-hmm. know, this really makes all of us who have a glass mm-hmm. of wine every night think, oh, maybe that's what. <laughs> but he eats a lot of fast food, yeah. apparently. But that doesn't that, seem to yeah. slow him down. It's amazing. Well, it really well, is. Uh, we spoke to Kaylee McEnany, the RNC spokesman. And, you know, one of the things that we spoke about was this topic, too. You know, the changing of the old guard of the career mm. politicians. And something that she also thought was, you know, a catalyst, what could be a catalyst, is the uh, amount of young people that will be voting in November and in 2020. And I, I think she said it's going to be the first time like millennials make up the largest voting demographic yeah. or something yeah. like that. Do you think that that could be, you know, a catalyst going forward in November? Well, I don't think in November because typically the younger pe- voters don't show up in the midterms. 2020 is a mm-hmm. different story, and they certainly could be. If I were Republican strategists, I would be looking at policies that millennials must hate, such as cutting back on Uber. I don't know a millennial who mm-hmm. doesn't have Uber on speed dial yeah. or, you know, it's not – or I mean, who doesn't use them. Mm-hmm. to the exclusion of almost every other kind of transportation, including, by the way, in New York City, not learning how to drive. A lot of mm-hmm. kids don't mm-hmm. learn how to drive these days, and instead they rely on Uber. Airbnb, uh, all the young people I know uh, rely on it not only when they're traveling, but also to make a little extra money when things mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. kind of tough. All these policies that are sort of against the so-called gig economy – I think if I were Republicans, I would really – and by the way, remember uh, Hillary Clinton came out against the so-called gig economy. There was a speech where she kind of blasted that, and I think that's really dangerous Mm -hmm. for Democrats because kids, you know, like those things. They do. So – and also I think uh, it was, I think, Senator Warner just in the last couple of days who – 
uh, came out talking about regulating Facebook uh, mm. and talking more about you know putting limits on these companies. Again, who loves technology companies? Who loves social media? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And and you know they are not. I think there's some avenues, some inroads could be made by Republicans with. Uh, the next generation, the, the millennial Let's hope generation. So. Let's hope so. Yeah. We see yeah. the Charlie Kirks of the world, these yeah. young right. conservatives who are trying to fight the fight uh, mm-hmm. across the country on the college campuses. Yeah. By the way, I should ask you this. Do you think millennials within their lifetime will see the end of the Bob Mueller Russian collusion <laughs> investigation? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think that's a long, long playing show. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> And, and, you know, when you get it, it's like a decision tree, right? I mean, every yeah. person who comes down, Paul Manafort, well, probably Paul Manafort has, you know, 100 associates. So let's look into all those associates. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, it's like a, yeah. a, a family tree. And their kids are going to get investigated and their kids. <laughs> it, it, is, it is kind of an interesting question. What will cause him to call a halt? Yeah. Uh, that it hasn't already, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, every stone has to be unturned. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and I, all that money going into it. Yeah. Ugh. Well, it's it's just a drain on the not only the fiscal purse but also mm-hmm. the, the energies and and sort of optimism of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't seem to be holding back the economy, thank heavens, or consumer sentiment. Uh, but yeah. it's a negative. It? Consumer sentiment getting better. Yeah. yeah, you know, I think a lot of people are people who support Donald Trump. But yeah, I think but if there for, was a gotcha moment, wouldn't it have long come out think, by now? Liz? Yeah, remember, come on. Remember, Comey said um, <laughs> any investigator worth his salt, if he hasn't figured something out in a year, mm-hmm. he should drop it or. So. He made comments to that effect. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's been a year. Yeah. But Come on, Mr. Th- um, Judge Andrew Napolitano said yeah. he he's known um, Mueller. He said he knows that he knows what he's he, he's supposed to do with these types of things. He knows uh-huh. to keep his cards tight, and he does everything until the very, very end. So maybe which is when that's maybe I, I mean I don't know that's the question does or is he just have, does he have so much material where he's like I can't stop well, I'm sure he has a lot of material Something? but what does it say yeah. to him you know what does it say well I, I mean and I think if they get into President Trump's business dealings mm. um, there that's going to be a wild ride because mm-hmm. I'm quite sure that there have been loans that were negotiated in a weird way or whatever. I'm, you know, very few real estate developers could probably have a completely clean yeah. record. No. Uh, Especially in Atlantic <laughs> City back in the day. <laughs> well, yeah, right? So, I yeah. mean, there's probably stuff there, but is that really legitimate to be going yep. after all those yeah. issues? It's nothing to do with the election, nothing yeah. to do with Russians. Um, I think it's gone too far. It was a long time ago, too, a lot of those deals. Yeah. 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 Well, that doesn't seem to matter. Everybody's yeah. brought – look at Les Moonies, yeah. all these charges <laughs> oh against him yeah. go back 10, 97? 20 years. Yeah. 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 So the good news is, though, Liz Peake, is you never have a shortage of things to talk about, I, right? Yeah. I, I was thinking about you saying, God, those deadlines are three stories a week. Not so hard these days because there's always a lot to talk about. So true. There is just one news story. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's really hard as a columnist Mm -hmm. to To pick and choose. To pick one because by the time you've, I mean, I like to actually do research and think Mm -hmm. and it takes a little while. Well, that's that's unusual. I know, I know. It's really a (laughs) handicap. Um, (laughs) You know, by the time you're out there, it's like, okay, that something else dramatic has happened. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. All you guys in the, in the, you know, news business. Well, let me put this. Everyone's exhausted. They are because in the Obama administration (laughs) and even before that, it was more interesting in the George W. Bush administration. But normally, if you can get a really good lead story for the week, you'd be excited. We get seven lead stories within the first hour of the day. It's It's true. Well, you wake up, you check the Twitter feed. (laughs) 
I, I walked into this age of news. I can't imagine. <laughs> would, yeah, don't get used to what yeah. maybe it is, but it's unusual. Someone asked me, me. The, the other day, they said, do you think after you know President Trump leaves the White House, do you think it's going to continue like this? I'm like, I have no idea because this is all I know. Yeah, you know, I cannot uh, tell it's you. A, it's a funny question. In fact, I was talking to my husband about that yesterday. I was like, what, what will it seem like to go back to another pablum spewing, yeah. care, you know, correct speaking president? It'll be horrible. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be so dull. I'll be so right? bored. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I, I, I find his, think I find so. the president's uh, uh, press conferences actually very entertaining. Yes. He's funny. He's he off the funny. cuff. It's I know good he's TV. not establishment, but yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's good TV. It's yeah. very, very watchable. Yeah. How I've, often have you said that about politics and and you know? Well, and that's, why, and that's why people keep watching. Mm-hmm. I, I actually had the pleasure of speaking at CPAC this past right, year. Right, right. This year. And, uh, How was so that? I, well, it was fun. But I also heard uh, President Trump speak in person, which I had never done before. And I got to tell you, he was mesmerizing. He was funny, mm-hmm. self-deprecating. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> and he just had everyone in the palm of his hand for an yeah. hour and 15 minutes. It was amazing. Yeah. Do you think he's gotten better at it? Well, yes and no. I think that he tells the same stories. Like he told the story about the building the um, uh, the new um, embassy in London mm-hmm. again. I've heard that now two or three times. But it is a great story about yeah. how he what a terrible real estate deal it was. And by the way, I think he's totally right, he's right. about it. Right. Yes. Um, so it may be that he has to come up with some new material. <laughs> uh, but but it's pretty darn good. It yeah. really is. Yeah. You can right. see He's why it funny. worked. Yeah. Now, I also want to ask you something. Yeah. Um, you are the chair of the board of trustees, correct, at FIT, the Fashion Institute yes. here in New York. Yes. Um, what's that like? Because, you know, that must be pretty exciting being around all the arts and the fashions. I mean, I see you what once, twice, or more every week, and you're always you're always pretty fresh. You know, you dress pretty well. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, That's F-I-T- high praise, by the way, Liz. He doesn't throw that out. <laughs> First time That's I've really heard that. Sweet. That's really yeah. sweet. That's true. <laughs> um, FIT is a SUNY college. And so it's a public institution. And I've never been uh, – I've been a chairman there for several years now, but I had never been part of a public institution board, which is just terribly interesting really. Mm-hmm. Um, there are all kinds of rules and regulations naturally. But the great thing about FIT, my elevator speech, uh, is <laughs> we have close to 10,000 students uh, majoring in 49 different creative majors. Fashion, yes, of course. Fashion merchandising, but also toy design. We're the only mm. toy design degree mm. in the world. Um, uh, graphic arts, architecture. We also have a whole liberal arts department. So it's a very broad-based curriculum. But here's why conservatives should love this school, and I do. For a New York City resident, $6,000 a year to start at FIT. Wow. Imagine that. Yeah. So Parsons, our uh, rival in, in New York, pub, private school, plus 40000 $40,000 mm-hmm. plus. Oh. Um, so this is value. It's also excellent. A lot of our professors are top of their field. For right now, FIT is on a roll because they're very involved in new technology, new – like we're making – textiles out of algae. I mean, there's all kinds of fascinating 3D things. 3D printing is getting into Oh, the totally. Things. All of yeah. that. Um, and, the, and anyway, we are on the cutting edge. We're having all these uh, exchange programs at MIT. IBM's Watson has done programs.
programs with our students, mm. trying to figure out different issues in retail. It's a fascinating school. Yeah. Uh, and the kids get jobs when they leave. So they are actually learning something useful. And I don't mean that studying philosophy isn't useful in some way. But, it's but for an economy like this right now, it's important to the city and it's mm-hmm. important to the country. So I think it's a terrific school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it has great. direct results upon graduation. That's, exactly That's the important right. part, yeah. right? Yeah, and and it's interesting because you know, fashion. You're talking about how fashion, the fashion institute, isn't about the old days of the garment district down in mm-hmm. Manhattan. It's the next generation of how you're gonna, you know, how you're gonna be good to the environment with it. Because you were telling me about when you went to China. Yeah, very, very much, uh, very much involved in sustainability issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that the fashion industry, I think, is very concerned about because they are uh, writ large kind of bad actors in the uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the environment, uh, mm-hmm. not American designers. I'm not talking about that, but the people right. making a lot of textiles and stuff, uh, and they know it has to change. Mm-hmm. So FIT is really in the forefront of that. Uh, we've won won a lot of awards for our environmental undertaking. So um, anyway, it's it's just uh, it's a really nice balance to what I do the rest of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, terrific people on the board, great board, uh, all of whom have been appointed by the mayor or the governor. Mm-hmm. Um, been there, just wonderful, really wonderful group. So that's very fun. That's thank cool. you for asking. Yeah. Well, pe- uh, thank you for being here, Liz. My you, pleasure. You, so many uh, strings to your bow, as they say. <laughs> fashion guru, yeah. <laughs> economic <Hardly>. commentator, <laughs> political observer. You don't have much. You're, you're a busy person these days. You know what? Um, everyone in New York is a busy person. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you want to be or not. It's, that's, that's the, the opportunity, way it is. right? Yeah. That's and that's the fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Great job, Brian. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Ashley Webster Experience. We'll see you back here next time. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.